Adding wholesale as a channel to your store is a great way to increase revenue. But how do you offer customer-specific pricing in Shopify? Well, naturally, there's a bold app for that. It's called Customer Pricing. And it's great for wholesale, of course, but it's also cool to add things like a VIP program where you reward your best customers. So it's easy to use. To put a customer in a price group, you just tag their customer account. Or, if you want to get fancy, you can auto-tag customers into groups based off how much they've spent, how often they order, where they're from, or what products they purchased. So it's really powerful. For example, if they've spent $500 or more, you could tag them as silver, and they get 5% off. $1,000 or more, they get tagged gold, they get 10% off. You could even do it by how many times they've ordered and even what country they're from. With the tagging by product purchase feature, you could actually sell a membership product and then give them a member discount. So if you're a Costco member, this should sound familiar, because it's exactly what they do. To try it out free for two months, head to ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines, and it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability, and it's no wonder. SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, recording from beautiful, scenic, Skokie, Illinois, high atop Westfield Old Orchard Mall's professional building. Yes, and today we're talking about what we try to always talk about, ways to make more money. But we're going to go through a merchant journey today with a gentleman who has made quite a bit of money. We're talking to none other than Tyler Sully Sullivan from bombtechgolf.com, a Shopify Plus store. We're going to learn how he went from fired to running a seven-figure e-commerce brand, how he learned to get out of the business so he could truly work on it as opposed to in it, going from, and this blows my mind, he did the actual from 20 hours a day to four-hour work week, and most recently, back into it and when you may want to revisit your business. So we're going to cover a lot of stuff today, and I did something different. I normally hate unsolicited unsolicited advice. Most people do. But a gentleman messaged me on Facebook Messenger, and he goes, hey, for your show, when you interview someone, why don't you just ask in your Facebook group, which you could join now, it's, uh, just search for an official Shopify podcast on Facebook. He said, why don't you ask the Facebook group what questions they want to know? And I'm like, oh, that's actually quite brilliant. So I forgot who, who mentioned that to me, but thank you. I did that for this episode. So some of the questions come from our listeners. I appreciate that. Anyway, uh, 
Sully, is it? Should we call you? Are you Tyler Sully Sullivan? Should we call you Sully? So, Sully is good. That works for me. Beautiful. And uh, where are you recording from, good sir? Uh, beautiful Vermont, where uh, there isn't many golf courses and it's mostly winter. And but uh, that's why we've got an online business. You're <laughs> at home in a home office, right? Yeah. So I, I had an office for um, about 18 months. I started working from home. I was like, I'm done with offices, and I'm about to. I got a show in at two. <laughs> to get an office. So uh, in it, out of it, back in it, you know, just <laughs> I like to switch it up. But today I'm home. I liked, yeah, a lot of people, um, you know, you, number one, do whatever works for you and like absolutely design your environment around what works for you. I um, I have to have an office because I like the separation. I like, you know, like this is home, this is work. Because otherwise like, I'm a work dog. I will just, I will work all day. I'd get up, work, and then just go to sleep. It would be terrible. I need that separation. I like it. Um, and the and plus, when you have your own office, then like you just you could design it however the heck you want. We hired an interior decorator. It was inexpensive. It was the best idea I ever had. And having a good office, man. Like if your office isn't great, if it's messy or it's not what you like, man, garbage in, garbage out. Like you just can't think straight. I was amazed at how much more productive we are with a new office. That was a little bit of a rabbit hole. <laughs> Well, I was, the golf course was my office for a while. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, man, I keep playing golf. I'm not getting anything done. And then I, you know, That's I market research. Yeah, it's market research. I was going on Facebook Live a lot. but um, So that still is my real office. But, yeah, so just because now I'm diving back into some of the day-to-day with ads and stuff, um, just having a space, I think I just need that. And I think the summertime, because I got two young kids, I can kind of see, because they go back to school, having the summer, not really going to the office, and then when they go back to school, that's kind of my office time. But, yeah, just having a place to go that isn't the golf course <laughs> so I can actually sit at a computer, which I don't do often. <laughs> so your site, bombtechgolf.com, what the hell is it? So we sell uh, golf clubs direct-to-consumer. I started this brand back in 2000. I, the idea 2011 really launched in 2012 with no intention of selling products online. I just was fed up. I had a day job selling pharmaceuticals, um, really wasn't working that much, and just was like, man, I need to, I need to live life on my own terms. Didn't know what that meant. And um, just started like the world's worst website. I think I was on <laughs> Intuit Solutions or something. No, Intuit. That's a website company. Uh, Intuit. And it, I sold nothing. It was the world's worst website. Um, and then one day I moved over to the Wix platform and I got one sale, and that I was actually on a boat. It wasn't a yacht. It was a, a rundown boat. And I got that sale come in, and that changed. It, like, blew my mind. I was like, oh, my God, I'm not at a desk. I'm on a boat, and I made money. I was like, I need to do more of this. <laughs> so that was your, your aha moment where you went, oh, okay, if I could just get that one sale, now how do we scale this? You had a taste of it. What, what were you selling in the first your first website, your first store, what did you sell? What was your first yeah, sale? Yeah, yeah, so it was golf clubs, but what I was doing, it's a long story, but I was essentially doing, I was wholesaling other components. So I'd wholesale like specialty long drive uh, driver heads and shafts, and I actually assembled them in my house custom. <laughs> if you, I had my basement uh, about 1,200 square feet, which was literally an assembly plant where I would assemble custom golf clubs, chop saws, epoxy, I mean, you can't even imagine this stuff, but I was trying to compete in what is like the home run derby of golf. 
Uh, it's called Long Drive. And I wasn't good, um, but I had a local club builder building me clubs, and I broke every club, not from sheer power, which I wish it was, but from his inability to assemble them properly. So I just said, all right, I'm going to build them myself because I don't have enough money to keep breaking clubs. I want to compete. So I just started making my own. I set just assembling them. And then I was like, ah, you know, why don't I try to make them? And my buddy's like, dude, this is kind of cool. I want to make me one. And I was like, all right, that's cool. Let me try to sell one of these online. And then I end up selling one. And I got fed up with uh, the wholesalers being out of product, some of the actual quality of the products I didn't really love. And I was actually talking to my buddy over a beer that I went to college with. We lived in the same frat house. And I was like, dude, you know, I, I sold a couple of these drivers. I kind of want to have my own brand. He's like, why don't you call the University of Vermont, where we both went to school, and see if they'll help you design one. I was like, I'm the wor- I was the worst student there. It took me five years to graduate. They're not going to talk to me. And lo and behold, I got a- in touch with their engineering department, and I worked with a group of students for a year to design our first driver. And I took a huge risk. And I did, I did have a good job and some money saved up. I was making over six figures. And that was kind of the what I needed to go into production and take that risk. Cause, I mean, we're talking tooling costs, sample costs. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't cheap. And, um, you know, this dropship stuff I see a lot of guys doing now, that didn't even really exist back when I started. I mean, I, I was before the selfie. <laughs> the date <laughs> stuff. So Think what about, year was this? This is 2012 and 13. Okay. This is old school. Um, and I was on Delusion for the website, and I switched to Big Commerce. And it's now funny like, how... Uh, how wildly things have changed in five years oh it's great well people think i'm a dinosaur they're like what do you mean 2012 (laughs) i was like i it's just it's so different now but yeah so that's kind of i don't remember the question but that's how it all kind of started and (laughs) that was the question how'd you really yeah how'd you get started what happened um no it's a i mean it there is a common thread here and it sounds um two things there's there's necessity right like fish grows to the size of the bowl did you have your kids at this time no, so that's okay. part of the like when I started selling clubs, it was just a side hustle, and then found out my wife was pregnant, and that's when I got fired from my day job. Oh, <laughs> so that's, and then that's when you had to really double down on it. Well, this is kind of crazy to jump into it real quick. So thir- it was, uh, I think it was a Thursday, like the week before Thanksgiving. I had, the, you know, I had a great job. Um, I actually had switched to that job because uh, I was always in sales, doing medical device, pharmaceuticals. And the pharmaceutical job, they always had layoffs every two years. I was like, I'm going to get out of there, get something more stable. I moved to a, a local company, was working with them for a year. I was like, oh, this is my job forever. Bomb Tech was a side hustle. It was picking up, but it was not crushing. I was doing like 10 to 15K a month. And when you're manufacturing on product, that's like nothing for cash flow, right? Yeah, cash flow um, is, is a real yeah, struggle with like manufacturing. Cash- I was like, oh, 10 to 15K, I'm rich. But then I was like, cost of goods, ad cost, all that stuff. Anyways, so my boss comes in. He's like, yeah, come down with me. Brings you down to the HR office. Says, hey, today's your last day and your last paychecks last week. And I go, oh. I go, well, I'm going to get a glass of water so I don't knock you out. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, you know, I, I was a pretty big guy back then, you know, working out and stuff. And I go, I sat back down. I'm like, listen, you're going to pay me all my commissions, one month severance or you can try to physically remove me. And so they paid me. Wow. <laughs> and I ended up getting home early, and the wife comes home, and we just found out she was pregnant, and the week oh. before Thanksgiving, and uh, she's home, comes home, and she's like, oh, they what fired you, you before the holidays? Right, oh, it was it was dirty. It was like, the, they did you guy, dirty. 
Oh, it was bad. And it was the week before I got vested in like all the, you know, stock, 401k. Oh. Like, it, was, it was rough, dude. And that was really like, but my wife was super supportive and she came home and I was never home early because I had an hour commute. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, uh, I got fired. She's like, all right, you're going to do bomb tech or what? <laughs> I was like, all right, let's do it. And then um, that was probably the toughest year of my life because I didn't know what I was doing. I was trying to figure this out with a kid on the way assembling the clubs myself in the basement do doing you guys have this is a well an unusual question we asked but did you have insurance uh did we have insurance i think i had through the state okay so and, you had like cobra yeah it wasn't good yeah it was rough insurance and i had credit card i ended up having a lot of credit card debt i had to take working capital loans we had, we had a moment in you, time that you do what you have to do to survive well, and, that, and that was a kick in the butt, and I started looking for jobs, couldn't find anything because of the time of year, and uh, grinded it out, grew it to a point where it was, you know, <laughs> we made it work, but even when I had my first kid, it was like, I still was, I, I got it to $1.2 solo with no one else, no employees, still shipping the clubs, then I had the kid, and I was like, I got to start delegating, so that's, when I started delegating the right stuff, that's how I was able to scale it up and went from like one to four to six, five, I think, six, three. So hold on. Exclusively on your own, you start with, I've got, hey, there's a, like, why can't, a lot of your initial success, at least when it was the side hustle, was you just asking yourself, why not me? As giving yourself permission to do this stuff. Where you're like, man, these golf clubs are not assembled right. Why can't I do this myself? And then you do it. And why can't I sell these? Why can't I be my own brand? And just going through it. And then, yep. um, Really, I mean, in retrospect, getting fired is the best thing that happened to you. And having um, having a supportive wife, absolutely a uh, a unfair advantage. Not everyone has supportive uh, family. Like a lot of people's family, they just don't they don't want to see change. They're like, "What? No, you're crazy. You got to go get a nine to five job." That's the big risk, man. They're, that's always the pushback on entrepreneurship. What? You're your own boss, but that's not stable. It's way hey. I've got, you know, how many customers do you have? How many sources of, of traffic to the site? All those things diversify your risk wildly versus I work for a company. I have a single source of everything. I get oh. one guy's writing my paycheck and paying my insurance, et cetera, et cetera. That's way more risky. Um, so yep. a bit of a mindset shift there in retrospect. And then having that necessity, that need where you, uh, you had a kid on the way, you got to do what you got to do to survive, and it gave you the the push to get going. So it sounds like it happened at the, the best time it could have. Um, and then a lot of hard work later, but you, so within about a year you went from, uh, you know, ratchet this thing to, to seven figures. What was that's a meteoric success? How, what, what do you think happened there? How were you able to yeah. get, and that's like, that's 2012, 2013. Yeah, so I, strategy. I went from, it was a hundred K to four fifty, and then to 1.2. I think there was a year in between that was okay. uh, mid six figures. Still tremendous. Yeah, no, it was great. And this is all me with really, I had no idea what I was doing, you know, because there were like the resources of like how to do ads, how to do, you know, like Shopify, what it, what isn't what it is now. And I was on different platforms. Everything was, you know, more difficult. But um, really, I just leveraged Facebook early. So, I, and I didn't do this on purpose. Again, it was kind of like, necessity so i started designing the clubs and literally all i did was document what i was doing and now everyone talks about this but i didn't it was just it wasn't even a thing back then i just started documenting like hey i'm going up to the college to work with the kids what 
you know, what uh, shaft flex do you normally play? What loft? What color do you want? You know, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? So I literally ask questions during the design process to get people involved. So they felt like they were literally a part of the process to make this club and the brand. And that really gave me a pool of like, I think I only had like 4,000 likes, but that was when you had full reach. And those guys were so engaged because they were commenting on every question I had, like felt like they built the club with me. And then when, like this is before Facebook video. And then when Facebook video came out, I was like, dude, I got to start making videos. I don't care what it is. I made a video in my backyard with a kid who was taking a nap and it was the world's worst video. I'm in the backyard. I hit a ball into a net and it sounds like a gun goes off. It's so loud. And I posted online. I said, does your driver sound like this? Oh. And, <laughs> and this is early Facebook video. Just in that video, organically, with like not many followers, I can't remember the number. It was like, it got like, thousands of comments right so i was like all right i'm gonna boost this so i boosted it and it got like 500,000 views 10,000 comments and you know what i did i went through every comment and commented back <laughs> and it was, it was grueling i mean this was like every single comment thumbs were gonna break off because i was commenting so many and all i did was build relationships one-to-one -one. and i was not an ads guru i was doing ads all wrong wasn't spending that much money but i did use video early to get reach and exposure and then just build relationships one-to-one -one by actually engaging and talking to people. And that, man, that was it. You know, it was just early, you know, same thing with Facebook Live. I uh, did that early and then really we've leveraged email really powerfully with the Klaviyo platform. Um, now, that's how we've gotten to the next level to do that. But yeah, I was just using the platform early and using it well, even though I didn't know I was doing it, <laughs> doing that, you know what I mean? Well, clearly you did. And I think for a lot of people, it's like, well, I don't know. My kids do this. They're like, well, I can't try that because I've never, I don't know how to do it. I'm not good at it. Well, yeah, you're not good at it because you will never try. So it, like, it turns into this self-defeating cycle where you said you just embraced it and goes, said, I don't know what I'm doing. So let's go ahead and do it. Right. That makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, ultimately what, what's the key word there in, in social media, social networking is social. You were social. You engage that community by um, you know, making every single person feel important by acknowledging them, by answering them, by interacting with them, and by taking them on this journey. And really, like, you're your own best customer. You are an avid golfer. So sharing that, like, people dive into that, that passion, right? 100%. That, that's really, that's it. <laughs> and that's, like, where video is so successful is, well, duh, it's more engaging. Like, you, could, you can see and hear a person. And at the time when you know we first started seeing video streaming on Facebook, it was cool. And even now it's still cool. Um, you said, it's a terrible video. Yeah, that's what makes it authentic and real. Um, but so far, like, there is nothing here that no one else couldn't do if they just set aside the time for it. If they said, you know what, instead of binging on Netflix, I'm going to try this. Like that's okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a big mind shift. I mean, a lot of my friends are like, "Hey, let's go out," or "Hey, you know, did you watch the show or the game?" I'm like, dude, no. Every every second I had, every minute was either learning or executing. Like that was it. Like I, I mean, I still have that mindset, and I have done a little bit better job disconnecting at times because of my kids, and that that's like the most important thing to me. And, you know, learning of like now, I'm like, all right, what actually moves the lever and do I need to spend my time on that? So I pride oh, myself. Oh, that's right there. That's that magic. 
hearing. So there's, I mean, there's more to do, like, there's just the hustle and grind. But you could hustle and grind your way into the ground if you're doing things that have, if you're doing the wrong things, right? That's where I started. I was hustling and grind doing the wrong things for years. And now, after years of doing that, I actually, like, okay, is this going to move the needle? Is it worth my time? And that took me a long time to really, I can, you could say that, but to actually embrace it and then do it. Um, but yeah, you're right. That's big difference. Yeah, every so often, I'll, like, I, I'm good at this now but at the same time i'll still have moments where i go wait a second why am i doing this or um you know my my business partner who produces the show will go uh hey buddy and like he'll never just say it he'll ask the question and then i'm like oh i'm an idiot <laughs> i'm like yeah. why wait why do we do that um all right give me uh so yeah there's that that mindset shift where you got to say hey this thing i'm doing does it move the needle on my business does it make me money and if not why am I doing it? Can I just say no? And that's like a great way to, to free up time and free up um, energy and just space in your brain. Um, but all right, tell me, give, you have a, can you think of a couple examples of that where you're like, wait, what? I'm, where you're, yeah, yeah. you're just hustling, grinding on stuff that yeah, you shouldn't have been. Early on, like this is years ago, but I would spend hours, months, like so much energy on website design, fonts, colors, you know, like, and branding is key and important, right? But this was, like, an obsession. And it was, like, I'm, I wasn't even driving traffic. I didn't have the right offers. You know, like, all the stuff that you need. I was just obsessing over different thought, like, the, the look and feel and the aesthetics of the website. Like, that's a huge, huge one. And then, like... A hundred percent, that's where you can you could just waste oh, days. Man, was, you can waste endless money on designers and licensing fonts and themes and endless well, time on just... Uh, ultimately rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Like, you've got yeah. the most beautiful website in the world. It's not selling. It's going nowhere. Right. Um, so I was Illusion, and I had a website designer, like, on retainer for thousands. And, I like, sales were, like, nothing. And then when I went to big commerce, which is when I actually was able to go over uh, seven figures, I, I literally bought a theme for 180 bucks, changed the colors, got the offers dialed in, and that was it. You know, it, it was crazy. So it was, like... That kind of mind shift was like, yeah, you got to have the right things, but offer content, you know, that stuff will trump design and aesthetics all day. And that was like a big one. But like, other than that, customer service, like, all right, is it that is that the best use of my time to be doing customer service? No. And fulfillment, okay. that's another huge one, like shipping the clubs. I used to go to the, I used to take pride in the fact that I used to have a super legacy, right? And I used to fill that thing up with golf clubs. And I used to be like, Watch this, guys. I can carry 10 golf clubs at once. That <laughs> was, like, was a pride thing because they're like, oh, look how cool I am coming to the post office. And they're like, and I always make a joke that they never thought was funny. I'm like, like what are you uh, dropping off? I'm like, oh, I'm dropping off some grenades. <laughs> oh, God. And they never thought that was funny. And um, then I was like, why the hell am I doing this? And it took like four fulfillment moves because I can get really deep into that side of how we, I really was going custom when my customers didn't even want custom. But anyway, so like, those two things, ads or not ads, uh, fulfillment and customer service were like game changing. And like customer service, I was like, because I was I was in sales forever, right? Always top sales guy, rookie of the year, blah blah blah. And I was like, there's no one that's going to close more guys than me or offer better service. And then I was like, there's no way I can scale unless I trust someone right. to pick up the phone and answer the email. You know, at one point I had like forty thousand emails in my inbox. I had to. <laughs> I just deleted them all. So That's like, I, declaring uh, inbox bankruptcy. I remember yeah. 
when we, our honey we went on our honeymoon it was eight days and i did not bring a laptop with me and deleted email from my phone and when i came back did that it's the, the one time i had to declare email bankruptcy i just i deleted them all you didn't have a choice um and if they're important they will come back they'll follow up so yeah a lot of people um yeah that's how like Initially, you know, when you're running the business, it's fun to do everything, and it's important to have done it at least once so you understand what goes into it. Uh, but, like, where is the value in you picking and packing an order and taking it to the post office? None. Like, there's beyond doing it once because it was cool, there's no value in that for you for growing the business. So, for sure, like, fulfillment's one of the first things people delegate. Um, and customer support, oh, my gosh, you have to delegate that because it, it, it's a huge time suck. Um, you as the merchant can take stuff too personally. Like it could be, you know, 10 people could give you a compliment and one person can be like, your service sucks and your website blows. And you're like, that hurts. You take it personally. Oh, um, yeah. True. I always forgot about that because I used to answer all the comments. Oh. And it used to wear me down because like literally I was like, oh, my God. You know, there's a, we get a lot of haters. I mean, a lot of people love us. But that mentally became a, a thing after four years or something crazy of doing comments. I was like, I need a break, you know? Oh, yeah. A bit, like, it starts to get... And it doesn't matter how many people tell you how great you are. It's always the one... Like, the hundred that tell you how amazing you are. It's the one that... Like, the one shitty comment. That's the yep. one you remember. Um, so, yeah, it can, get, it can get toxic. But you want to keep... You know, you got your ear to the streets. And same with customer support. Like, you want to... You do want to know what, you know, the common complaints, issues are. You want to enable people um, to be able to... Uh, so you know, like, okay, these are... These are bottlenecks. These are things we should change on our website. Um, all right, what when you outsource the fulfillment? How would you how would you do it? How would you recommend someone? They're in your position. They're like, man, I got a six figure store. I got a seven figure store, and I'm mailing these golf clubs. I'm mailing my stuff myself to the post office. They don't like my jokes anymore. How do I go about delegating that fulfillment? Probably shouldn't learn from me on that part because I went through four fulfillment centers. Um, I, no, it was that was a hard one to learn because we were. You know, I was still doing custom, so we were offering custom shafts, grips, lengths, like all the stuff that I thought the customer needed, because it was like, uh, you know, that's what I wanted. But reality, we we went from custom to standard offerings, and that was the first big shift for me. Was like, all right, why are we doing custom? Okay, let's try just going standard, because the actual results for the golfers are was actually better on the standard, but I thought they wanted custom, so I couldn't even outsource fulfillment. Because they were so custom. So the first move I made was going to a local assembly place that would assemble them in Rutland, which is an hour and a half away from me, and manage them. They weren't doing they weren't a real fulfillment house. We we were we were operating on six to eight week lead times for oh. when we did four million or four point two. And I was like, This is enough. So I started standardizing because we're you know, we're got a manufacturer overseas, we're assembling them in Vermont, so this is enough. So now they all come skewed barcode, standard options, right to the fulfillment house from overseas. We don't touch them. They do all the QC stuff. And it, it was a tough process. But if someone's looking to outsource fulfillment, you need to sit down with someone in the business and just ask yourself, like, could someone else do this? Are our products ready for shipping? Like, is it barcoded? Is it simple? Do you need that many options? Like, that's probably the hardest hurdle. Is Like, well, I need 9,000 SKUs. Well, you know, what do you actually sell? Like, we have three core products that that are really our best sellers, and that was really a big shift. Like, all right, I don't need to have 10,000 options. Let's have 20. 
So that's phase one. And then all I would do is, if you've got any history of selling, is look at, all right, where would be the best location based on where you're shipping to if you're on Shopify or where, Big Commerce, whatever, and, and first find out that location. Like, all right, we ship the majority here. Like for us, it's Wisconsin. Wisconsin is actually our best location. Um, so we just moved to Fulfillment House, and that gives us our best shipping advantage in terms of time Smart. And, and money. So that once we find a location based on our data, then we just, we got, because of history, certain questions we asked, and like, you honestly want to find best rates. Like, so what's your dimensional divider rate that will give us the best shipping rates? And so we got speed, and then it comes out of money. And then the big question that you'll never know is, how do you vet the quality of service? And that one, I wish I had a good answer for you, but it's tough to know until you try, you know. But if you find at least a good location, the proper rates, and really try to standardize the options, because every single fulfillment center that I've talked to prices things different. What I what we did is we would actually have them make up a mock bill. I'd be like, all right, this is how many clubs we're shipping, this is how many inbound packages we have, this is how many returns we have. Um, this is a service here, the zip codes. It did take some effort. Um, what would it cost if you did it? And then I would just literally do that to our top three locations, and then we'd have a side-by-side -side comparison. and be like, all right, these guys actually are more expensive. These guys are actually better at this, yada, yada. So that that, that is, that's how I do it. You know? that's a, it's a smart way to do it, is to start. So it's number one, start by location um, based on where, either what's convenient or what is going to get the product fastest to people. Um, and then B, uh, look at, I love the idea of mock billing because there's so many hidden fees and weird billing structures and like zero standardization in um, when dealing with 3PLs, third-party logistics, that yeah, saying, okay, here's what is typical. Uh, what is this going to cost me? And then, yeah, that gives you a, a realistic approach to it. It's yeah. sort of like what you bill, you know, like your cable bill. They're like, oh, yeah, it's 130 It's like, oh, really? Then how come it's 150 Well, there's, you know, fees in these licenses. Like, what? How did that happen? And then rental. Oh, I mean, like, that's a good way to put it because, like, we were in California, and it was a great, you know, a world-class fulfillment center. They killed it. Um, but, man, we got whacked with some of these fees, like minimum fees, extra inventory yeah. fees. And I was like, oh, my God, we're getting – and we actually had, I think January we had – because we didn't have a launch or anything. January's a slower month. And then, like, it really showed how significant some of those minimums were that month. I was like, man, we got to get out. So, like, we, you know, it, it will be a struggle. But if you get a legit mock bill and you, you know those numbers and can use your data, you, you'll be ahead of 90, like, how many years did I wait? It's going from fulfillment center to right. one to another. But it took me a long time to figure that out. But, yeah, it's um, now we're in a good place that's affordable, fast. And, you know, they do a great job. How, um, okay, so the, well, moving, uh, I mean, there's so many directions for me to go here. But, all right, the next big thing to delegate, to get off your plate, to free up your time, is customer service. How do yep. you recommend someone go about that? So right now, I mean, back when I started, it was like hire and feed them to the walls. Like, good luck. But I would recommend everything we do now is documented, right? So we have a standard operating procedures document that's a living document that is so detailed it will go through like our shopify store um screen like it's every screenshot like how to do a return how to ship this if there's a damaged product if what, whatever that anyone could come into like if i was gone tomorrow someone could come in the customer service role and fulfill that job um you know we we did hire locally 
um, because I was a control freak back then and wanted to, you know, have a hand-to-hand uh, opportunity to train them, which if you're starting out your first guy, that may be the best way to do it. But if you are able to get SOPs and really standardize... Standard operating... Yeah, SOP, standard operating and, procedure. And really get that dialed in, then you can hire anyone anywhere. So now, like, we had an office... Um, that was way too nice and way too big because I felt like I needed everyone there um, to watch over them, kind of. And, you know, these guys have been, I got three employees, have been with me for years now. And now we actually, everyone works remotely um, because now I trust them. So for me, it took a while to figure that out. But now we've got SOPs and they could train someone virtually. That's and cool. we don't need enough. But that was really the hardest thing is take a step back and try to make a document, like even if you're just going through your day and you're still doing customer service yourself, I would just go through a day and write down the questions you hear, even in just a Word document or Google Doc, as you hear them, and you'll see a pattern, like in two days, if you have any volume of, of incoming calls and emails, you'll be like, all right, return, um, like what, there's a common theme, like issue with this coupon, yada, yada, there's the five things, you'll make a pattern, you can SOP those, and then hand it off. And then, um, yeah, it was it wasn't hard now to bring on the second and third guy, but the first guy was, like, impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Um, yeah, the first one's always going to be the hardest. You get the hang of it. Um, but you're right. The like, I, the dream is to have a run book for your business where literally, like, you have a, you know, uh, a binder, virtual or real, that's got every single activity the business could possibly do. And you go to it. Each one is like, all right, here's a step-by-step on what you're going to do for that. Um, and you could put that together uh, for, um, like, you, initially you'll do it for the stuff you delegate, but you could also you uh, record screencasts and screen shares to do it. That could be really helpful. Um, but really, like, if you if you can get that down, then the second hardest part is just letting go. Um, do you use any support ticketing software or any other, like, customer service tool? We just use Help Scout. Okay. We've got a couple inboxes in that support and info. And then the phone system goes through there, which is just uh, Ring Central. Um, but yeah, we were going to try some other systems, but that's like such a quick and easy system. Like the Help Scout Save Replies it are is. huge. I mean, man, right. the speed of that and the Save Replies save us so much time. Um, and it's not expensive. I mean, at the end of the day, I want to you know give the best customer experience, but also be efficient. So it, it's not like clunky. Everyone can use it. Everyone can see. I can see how the guy, and like the nice thing about it is you can see how people are doing their customer service scores virtually, so you don't have to actually be like over their shoulder in an office like, right. oh man, he answered that weird. Well, you can just look at the Help Scout report and be like, this guy's got a 10% satisfaction score, he's fired. You know, not to be unemotional about it, but just like that kind of concept, you know what I mean? Um, so that's been huge. And But yeah, we're really light on like apps and... Um, Softwares, really. I mean, you Shopify, Clavio, uh, you know, Help Scout, Ring Central. Not much, you know. Like we, we don't like to use stuff that's not needed. Yeah, and that's a big a problem people have is, is shiny toy syndrome. Just adding, going to the app store and treating it like a slot machine. It's like oh, if I just get the right combo, I will, you know, will 10x sales overnight. And it isn't the case. Um, and all these apps and services add add real debt or technical debt um, to your business. The well, um, okay, so at some point, you managed to delegate so much stuff that you were down to a f- the magical, literal four-hour work week. Yeah, so with my second kid coming, 
um, I was like, all right, I was still going to the office, not full days, but I was working a lot. And, and like, I'm always thinking and working. So it's not like I'm not working at all. I don't want to like, you know, cause I enjoy it, you know? Um, but when I was about to have the second kid, I go, listen, there's no way I'm going to live the life I did with our first kid. It's not fair to my wife. It's not fair to the kids. Um, the business has a point where I don't really need to do that. So the six weeks prior to having her, I was like, all right, I'm going to set it up, delegate stuff, put people in charge, and just see what happens. So what do you think happened in those six weeks before I had my second kid? Uh, something terrible? Sales went up. <laughs> oh, so I was oh like, my gosh. I was like, Imagine yeah. that. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God. So I really tried to embrace that and, like, you know, I, I totally it's like separated myself from the business for a long time. I mean, I was literally not thinking about the business. I would check sales once a day. Um, I would do literally nothing in the business. I would just think high level, big picture, conceptual stuff. Like, all right, you know, what's my dream product to bring to market? You know, or like, what's something we can truly have an impact in the industry? Like, just these big high level ideas and concepts that I could never think of and every good idea I've ever truly had has never been when I'm sitting in an office doing work, right? Yes, so that was that's why other- it's so, Im- things like vacations and conferences and getting away is so important. If you're always there, you end up working in the business and you can't see the forest through the trees versus working, what you managed to do was completely separate yourself so that on your own terms, you could work on the business. Yeah, so I was able to do that, I will say, I am back now, back in the business again because of ads. That was been, I think, the biggest bottleneck and was the third thing I outsourced. So I had a guy with that was working for us for about two years that was an expert in ads, right? So I would make the content, he would get the ads in front of the right people. I mean, he like I got to 1.2 mil with like no Facebook ad knowledge, no ad word knowledge, I was just doing it, right? And then he came in and like just set up basic retargeting, like, you know, like he was an expert and that like 4X our business. And then no fault of his own, but kind of, he, he started a couple other businesses because, and he was making a ton of money and I'm super happy for him, but he, he started to lose focus, you know, and I was like, oh man, I gotta let him go. And since then, like we've been burning through agencies and everyone's like, well, your conversion is the problem. And then like this last, in August, like August has been the first month in probably a year where I'm in the business again. And sometimes you gotta do this. I mean, this is just reality because sales were starting to suffer. I'm like, man, I, he's like, well, it's your branding. I'm like, dude, we got a strong brand. <laughs> I, you know, like I, we've done it. You know, we, we crushed, like we can get back there. So I started learning ads on my own. So I've been cramming. And since I, I'm back in the ad platform doing it myself, because I know the customer so well, I mean, the best we got before us was like a, a 3x return ads, and we've been humming at a, a 5 to 6x since I started. So it, it, I'm back in it, but it's a big lever. You know, traffic with our offers, you know, it's a real opportunity. So my goal is to really become, like I did this with email last year. Like I became a true expert at email, and I handed that off to my my first employee, Chris, who now has his own consulting business, and he runs our email and ManyChat, and he's the true expert. So my plan is to do the same with ads, like really destroy it, crush it, and I'm actually surprised, but very happy, because I'm saving a ton of money um, doing it myself, 
and then train one of our guys in-house to do it. Um, but the agency stuff or having someone third party that's an expert did help me get to where I was until the results started to fail. And that's sometimes you got to jump back in and figure it out. Um, so I'm glad. How do you know you have mastered, you've mastered mindset, you've mastered not uh, delegate or you've mastered delegating and you've mastered um, not doing things that don't move the needle. How do you know when it's time to jump back in on a process? Uh, I, I don't know that to answer that. It, this was like a gut. I mean, this was sales, right? This is revenue. And like e, our email revenues were so high, but we were having the bottleneck this last year and my frustrations were, you know, I had burned through four ad guys, four ad agencies. And I kept on saying like, all right, all right, listen, these guys are the experts. They've got a ton of referrals. Like I'm just going to trust them because my first ad guy just killed it for me. And I was like, I got to find another guy. And it was this last guy who our other agency was doing good. They were doing all right. They were very expensive, but they were doing pretty good. And it, I was hands off. I got to live Define my life. expensive. What should I be paying? Uh, I was paying 12 grand a month. And does that cover, does, that was, is that just their management fee? Yeah, just management fee for ads. Uh, oh, what kind of ad budget was that for? It was spent a lot, uh, 100 grand. <laughs> Whoa, okay. So, so less crazy went in context, but still, you know, pricey. It was a little bit pricey. And I, I'm always fine paying for performance, but I just was like, man, we're not. What we kind of, much, when you're spending, you're spending 12 grand on management, 100 grand on budget, what kind of return on ad spend were you seeing? That scared you I, enough that you said, I got to just do this myself. Well, their best numbers were like 3x, which it wasn't bad, but we used to bang 5 to 6x all the time. And then I had, all right, so this is really the epiphany moment. So I had this guy knocking down my door like, dude, I will crush it for you, you know, with ads. You know, I'll charge you less. I will kill it. I was like, you know what? I'll give this guy a try, right? I was like, what, what do I have to lose? We're only at 3x. You know, all right. So I, I said, all right, you guys are done. You give it a try. And this guy literally brought us from 3X to like 1X. <laughs> Almost ruined everything. And I was like, oh, my God. And then then the other agency, this kind of gets crazy, but like, yeah, yeah, you, you know, you want to come back to us? You have to pay us up front now. And they literally were like kicking me when I was down. Like, oh, you have oh. to pay up front. You have to figure out your conversion problem. I was like, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm going to learn this shit. Excuse my language. And... I literally just started cramming. I talked to my old ads guy that used to kill it for me, and I appreciate this so much from him. He's like, dude, I'll help you out, and I'll, I'll get you in touch with the guy who trained me. So I hired a mentor. I work with him once a week. We go over actual ads, build them together. And since then, I mean, we're absolutely destroying again. It's like back, It's like what it used to be, because I know the offer's there. We've got the brand. We've got so many customers. It's like we don't even have to be that good at ads. Because we already have, you know, we've been doing this for six years. So it's like we already got, we sent an email. It just will destroy because we have so many customers. And I'm very thankful of that. But but now I'm just like, oh, my God, I wish I did this a year ago, you know. But it's it was that moment where it's like, I, I got to make the money, you know. Got to get those revenues back. Yeah. Again, it's that, it, uh, it's that necessity. And I like that you said, all right, I'm going to learn this myself. I'm going to do it. But you start going through experts until you find one and you're not hiring them to do it for you you're hiring them because you need someone to bounce ideas off of it's for the well, strategy that, yeah that took me too long again you see a pattern here it takes me too long to learn stuff but <laughs> like, i'm trying to hire these guys because i had one expert that killed it and then i was like i, I do want to say one thing about the ads environment that does frustrate me personally um there is a lot of people teaching other people how to do ads and it's truly creating a marketplace of people that don't have enough experience 
to actually run ads for businesses, in my opinion. And that really drove me nuts because I'm like, I, I'm searching through so many people to find an expert and then I would dive in with them and talk to them and I knew more than them. I'm like, oh my God, there's so many people that are not qualified. That's why I said, all right, I'm just going to jump in here, talk with my this guy. I hired a mentor. And in literally like two hour sessions, we're crushing what everyone else could do because we have the offer, we have the brand. So it's just a couple of tweaks on like the core fundamentals, like retarding, get that dialed in, find the right audience and get the right offer. And because we got all the videos and all that. And, and like I was overcomplicating the platform itself because I haven't touched it in a long time. And in reality, I didn't want to have to sit in front of my computer and do it. But sometimes you got to man up and figure stuff out. So, Ted, with um, let's do some some Facebook ads, lightning questions. Uh, what is your what's your preferred targeting method? I don't know if I want to give away my secrets. To be honest. All right, we'll skip that one. Um, <laughs> the what's your what's your favorite ad format? Odd video. Okay. Uh, and I would let me for the second ad format, carousel video or carousel ads. Yeah, those are good. <laughs> I in the past we've I've what we have seen is like video ads almost universally succeed as like the best ad format. But there's been a handful of times where Carousel did really well um, too. But so probably, those are the two I, I like because I'm so new to it to like even give like email and stuff definitely expert level. But like ads, I'm still like I'm still learning. So like I don't want to give your audience like hey this worked for me. I would say the only thing I've seen from my Working with a mentor and stuff, get the core fundamentals of your retargeting, all your your basic stacks lined up, which I think you could SOP easily, and then be willing to try stuff. But at the end of the day, it comes down to content, uh, copy, and offer, and like that. That's really the true advantage of me being in the account is I'm not the best with setting up ads or the formats or the right campaigns, but the copy, I know exactly what my customers think. That's the important part. Right, so like I, I'm sure my targeting is terrible. Like I'm not even probably doing half the stuff correct, but because the copy and the videos are getting like ten relevant scores, like crazy ROI or return on ad spend, and, and just tons of shares, and it, people are relating to it because I know the customer. And so I think that was really the biggest change from like an agency who probably was better technically with like targeting and that stuff, for, at least from my experience. And then for me, just doing the copy. And getting the videos dialed in. That's all. You know, like, not to overcomplicate it. Like, fundamentals, dude. And at the end of the day, it always comes down to what I think is offer, um, traffic, email, and then person. Like, those are the four things I believe will help any business succeed. When you send someone to your site, do you send them to a homepage, landing page, product collect? Where do you send them if they're new traffic? Right, right now, with my, like, again, small sample size, product page has been doing well. Okay. That makes sense. And you've got some nice product pages. Um, they're worth checking out. You only have 18 product listings, so I think that's an important note there, too. You know, limiting yep. limiting it to your best-selling products and getting rid of the, the poorest products um, mm -hmm. makes it easier to find the right products, helps you get more reviews on your products, makes life easier in general. Um, and looking at your products, like, you do a lot of great objection-busting. The products have a ton of reviews. You've got these cool icons. You offer a 60-day guarantee, and you call it the more than just a guarantee. You call it the 60-day on-course guarantee. So you make it part of the brand. Um, and then on the some of the listings have this really cool explanation to do objection busting. Let me see if I could find one real quick. 
where, like, you've got video on there. You said we've been featured in. Like, it is an elaborate product page, but nothing so crazy that someone couldn't do the same thing. Like, you don't have to hire someone to build this. No, I mean, definitely. It's just a Shopify. It's been. I was really hesitant to switch, and I did switch from BigCommerce. Who, yeah, we had some great days and years on there. Um, so I, I'm not. I don't think a platform, in my opinion, I don't think they matter. But it is easier to edit that current site to make the you know make the design and actual elements that are like the fundamental stuff look how it needs to look for the customer and again like whatever i think usually from design and stuff doesn't matter it's like whatever the customer whatever converts it's up to the customer right letting um, go of your ego is so important oh it does like every time i do something like listen this video i think is going to do well so probably it won't <laughs> yes you know like it's well, the same thing happens with the show. The episodes that I love are not the ones that are tremendously successful. I, I don't doubt that. It's just one of those things where it's like, you gotta let go. And like, my, I do have a video guy on staff who all he does is edit videos. And I'm like, dude, I hate this video. I was like, all right, we'll just run it, and then it kills it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's like the you gotta let go of your ego. You gotta test and tune. Um, and to your earlier point, like you're like you gotta let go of of obsessing over the website design. Because ultimately, what like what by the time you're obsessing over it, it's subjective. It's just you tuning it to what you want, and it doesn't yeah. like someone else is going to look at it and be like, "Yeah, okay, it's nice, I guess." Like they're not going to think twice about it. Nope. Um, man, part of your product description, one of the clever things, and this is used like unique um, to your vertical in particular, is this idea that if it's not outrageously expensive, it can't be great. And so you address that where you're like, "All right." Here's how we're making great golf clubs at a fraction of the price. Um, and you show, like, how everyone is blowing money on retail markup, traditional marketing. Like, you basically make it sound bad um, that someone would charge more for golf clubs. And I, I think that's very, very clever positioning. Thank you. Um, you said you're an email master. All right, give me what's the, what's the, the most – how do you write a – give me a tip for writing a subject line that gets a great open rate. So I'll say my employee, Chris, is the true master. Uh-huh. Uh, but so this is what happened. I'll give you a quick background if I have, we still have time. But so last August was when we started to have like some ad challenges. And I was like, man, we need we need to ramp up sales. Like we were coming off a huge month. I was like, we got to. I was like, what actually moves the needle? What are the core fundamentals that we do it properly? We have a huge upswing in sales. And, and the answer always was email, right? So. My, my goal was to become an expert in Clavia, right? So we started building flows, you know, testing copy, and really in August of last year, we got real fancy on just trying out different things, and we were able to drive up revenue from like 20% from email to 55%. So Clavio did a case study on us. Uh, now, not to plug Chris, I did partner with them full transparency. He does it for other companies. Ecom Growers is his brand. Um, and he does it for us, too. He runs our email and May chat. But, like, one simple thing that we do that anyone can do right now is the second email we send, I don't want to give too many secrets, we ask a question. We literally, the subject line is question <laughs> with a question mark. <laughs> and he asks them, like, a question like, you know, what club do you play now? And people reply, and then they go from promotions tab to inbox. Yes. And like our open rates are like, he has some stats that are like, I, I, they always are changing, but I think we had like average open rate of like 50%. And like the case study goes over all these insane stats that we have, but that was like a huge 
pivotal moment. And now he's such an expert with how he sends emails where he does like advanced segmentation, where you send to like different engaged tiers, like all the stuff where I'm like, dude, I don't even know what you're doing. But it, it literally, when we send the email now, we don't just send like one email. He sends like 15 emails to different tiers at different times, the maximum open rates. And that really helped us offset ad struggles because ad costs were going up. And we were able to spend more on ads. We were able to drive more revenue, but most importantly, drive more profit. Because, like, for me, like, revenue is just a vanity metric. Yeah, we did $6 million, That's cool. But, like, if you can drive traffic and be profitable, that's awesome. A lot of guys can't drive traffic and be profitable. So they really need a back-end way to drive more revenue, which will actually lead to real profit. And that's where email and, like, doing it really well gets exciting. You know, so he's been taking some clients from some numbers, like, double or tripling their revenues from email. And then they, they have the fun part where they can actually, you know, spend more on ads and you can just scale it up. So like we've got a big launch coming up. So I'm working with him to actually try a new launch series, which is going to send like an insane amount of emails, but tell it in a story way. And like, I'll do one more tip because I, this one's really easy too. So every email comes from me. Like it has my signature. It's written as if I wrote it. And it's just attaching that person to the brand. And that's so huge. It's like, what's Bomb Tech Golf? Like, what the hell is that? But Sully, like, people, this is really weird. And I'm not, I'm not trying to sound, I don't know how I can say this, but, like, people come up to me all the time now. Like, dude, are you Sully from Bomb Tech? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit, this is really weird. Um, and now I just embrace it. It gets weird when people take photos of me and post it and don't tell me. That, that I don't like. Oh, that's weird. Talk to me and I'll buy you a beer. But anyways, um, just signing stuff on the website from you or from email. I saw your about page is a phenomenally good example of an about page. It's written in the first person. It's from you. And it closes with your signature. You're like, that's it. Simple. And the page is not over-designed. It's not complicated. The, like so much of your success is based on this cornerstone of personal branding, of being your own best customer, um, putting yourself out there. And it, people can relate to it like no one cares about a you know about a a brand particularly um if they care about people people buy from people not brands right and that's you're seeing that success my line (laughs) (laughs) people buy from people that's what i always say and and that's it's funny some founders don't want to do that it's like that baffles me it's not that hard if you want a business and you're not willing to put yourself on camera or at least throw your name in a signature it's like Man, that's you're you're missing out on such an opportunity, and it's like, yeah, we've got hamstringing yourself. Oh yeah, we've got a couple of Facebook groups that have a ton of members, and it's like I go in there and post and talk to people, and like people will message me and like I can't believe you're the owner and you're talking to me, and I'm like, dude, this is I'm nothing without you. Like so, and, and like really, end of the day, like no matter what, I am so uh, thankful and truly appreciative to have sold as many golf clubs and have the customers we have. Because I wasn't always living this life. You know, I, I was fired with a kid on the way, not knowing what to do with a side hustle. And I, I like, I sometimes pinch myself. I'm like, dude, I, what am I doing here? You know, and it's, I have a lot of moments where I, I don't sleep and I stress, but it's, it's, all, it's all worth it. Um, it's just one of those things where it's, it's such a unique opportunity we have right now with social media. And I don't even do it well. Like, I, you'll see some of my Facebook lives. Where it's like, okay, that that's not even that good, but people just can relate to me, and that's all that matters. Like, you can make the world's worst authentic Facebook live as long as it's you being real. 
That's all I want, dude. Like, don't overthink it. Just exactly. Just yeah, that's you know? it. Authenticity, um, exactly. and that you don't want the most polished thing in the world. It is so much easier to be authentic than it is to be inauthentic. Um, you just got to give yourself permission to do it and get out of your own way. All right, we have gone way long, but this has been a phenomenal interview. I've got. And you had said you, you had some sleepless nights in there. Let me ask you two questions that are great that came from the Facebook group on that topic. Um, number one, you said you got sleepless nights. What keeps you up at night regarding your brand? Uh, inventory and cash flow. Sometimes okay. we, we had some, you do your own manufacturing, so that makes sense. So we have some you know lead time struggles. Um, you know, it takes a long time to manufacture product, and then we have a lot at some points during the year a lot of cash out. So <laughs> it can get a little scary if you have a dip in sales and you have a massive, massive order coming on ocean. <laughs> so that's probably number Now we're in a better spot with that. But that's probably the number one thing as a brand manufacturer. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right. Last question. What is the biggest business mistake you think you've ever made? Oh, man. How many this week? <laughs> I make so many. Um my biggest mistake I've ever made. Oh God, I, I would say I don't. I haven't done this a lot, but not firing quick enough. We've had some employees that are just not a good fit, and I was really emotional about it. And like, oh my God, this guy's going to go insane. He's going to cry. It's just going to like ruin his life. And you know, fire sooner and hire hire slower. Like really take the time to do it and. That's yeah. That's really it. All all makes sense. And finally, where can people go to learn more about you? Uh, they can email me if they've got any questions. Direct at Sully at bombtechgolf.com or just the website bombtechgolf.com. They can hit us up there. I don't know if you want me to plug the consulting stuff we're doing. I know you're doing stuff. No, please. So. Uh, no, I have <laughs> abundance mentality. Please do. Yeah, yeah. No. So like this year, Chris, who and I'm really happy for him because he's been working with me for like four years. And he, like, I can't even describe his work ethic, like, messaged me at all hours of the night. He's been working 80-plus hours for years for me, and now he's my business partner and making money that a 24-year-old probably would never expect to ever make, but it's only because of his own effort. To your point, like, anyone can do it. So now he's running, and I'm just the face of it, if you want to call it that, of ecomgrowers.com. And we only do one thing, and that's email for e-commerce. So you can... We do free audits there if you guys want to get an audit of your system, and Chris will actually go through. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so we just go through whether you're on MailChimp or Clavia. He'll go through. It's a totally free audit. Um, check out what you're doing. So even if you guys don't want to work with us, that's totally fine. It's a ton of value. And that was like our first big lever. We're like, we've got to become experts at that. And he became an expert. He's living a life that now I, I really wanted for him that I can provide to him as an employee. So I'm just happy for him. Um, and happy to have the other business that is it is a cash flow business so like if you're a manufacturer to have a consulting thing that cash flow is kind of exciting too but yeah anyone can hit us up there or on Facebook as well just that slash you know bomb tech golf alright I have included those links in the show notes Sully thank you this has been phenomenal sure man no, I really appreciate it and I gotta get a jacket like that man with the camo <laughs> that's part of my personal branding <laughs> I love it before we go, I wanted to tell you about the one Shopify theme I've used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable feature pack theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search 
easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates for all of your content. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will refund it for you. So to check it out now, go to ethercycle.com turbo and use code PODCAST20 at checkout. It's ethercycle.com turbo. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.